0: Drop in kids it's time for another episode of the nerd cave retro podcast my name is jason robbins
1: and i'm derek diamond
0: and we've got some pretty cool news this week uh if anybody out there is a metroid fan i'm i'm gonna just go straight into it because i'm excited to talk about this Coming to us from RetroCollect.com. There is an unofficial Metroid prequel, Rogue Dawn, out now and playable on Nintendo NES. Uh, For each and every gaming console out there, there's one final swan song which showcases the power behind the dated hardware it sits on. Um... Although much older consoles such as the Nintendo NES leave a lot up for discussion in terms of its demanding game, a bunch of homebrew developers have just muscled in on this discussion by releasing an unofficial prequel to Metroid, which puts the 8-bit console under incredible strain. Simply dubbed Metroid Rogue Dawn, this ROM hack takes the original 1986 Epic and adds a level of depth you wouldn't think would be possible for the NES. With incredibly detailed visuals and all new soundtrack and fantastic additions such as mini maps, the three man team behind this unofficial prequel have been at work for over two years and it shows. Um, I looked at, uh, there's a YouTube video also on this link, it's at retrocollect.com and it looks awesome. I watched about 10 minutes of it the other day, just kind of going through it, um, fast-forwarding and checking out the different levels and stuff. I would love to get my hands on a copy of this, because it looks awesome.
1: Just the fact that they did a prequel to Metroid, even though it's unofficial, that's absolutely amazing, and I, I wonder what the story is about. Because I, I haven't watched the the YouTube video. Like, I see the link to it, but... The story is what I'm the most curious about.
0: It says, uh, having drawn inspiration from the original game's manual, the team have focused on the untold story around a research spaceship that suffered an attack by space pirates. <clears throat> With the thieves in possession of a capsule containing a newly discovered life form, Samus, <coughs> excuse me, Samus finds herself caught up in the deep end and uh, facing up against a human agent trained by the enemy. And that's the that's the um, that's the story of it so far. They didn't want to spoil anything
1: else. Yeah, that's that alone. You know, it it sounds like a a really cool story. And you know, Metroid is one of those franchises that I think really has that strong cult following. And Nintendo doesn't really do anything with it, or at least they haven't lately. The last Metroid game I remember is Other M for the Wii, mm-hmm. and no one really played that. They didn't do a, a Wii U game. They haven't announced anything for the Switch. Why not go back to Metroid? Yeah,
0: I kind of wish they would do maybe a prequel. Something that kind of takes you back to the the same feel that the original game had. Um, kind of dark, kind of underground maze type of gameplay. I mean, it doesn't have to be a 2D side-scroller. I mean, I would love it to be. I mean, it could be a you know, a first-person shooter, but, like, um, which was the one that was on the, um, uh, which one was that? Uh, it was on the GameCube. It was the first-person shooter. Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime. It could be like that, because that was a great game. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I want to get back to that, that Metroid feel of just where you're just alone on a deserted, not a deserted planet, but you're alone on this planet fighting aliens. I, I want that feel again.
1: Kind of going along with the Metroid Prime route, there was another game that came out around that same time for the Game Boy Advance called Metroid Fusion. And that game, you know, Prime was the first-person shooter. Metroid Fusion was like the traditional Metroid game. It looked and felt a lot like Super Metroid for the SNES. And to me, that had one of the best stories out of any of the Metroid games because, you know, you had that isolation because you're on this quarantined ship with this uh, virus who is adapting so quickly that it actually manifested itself into a kind of evil version of Samus. Yeah. And it's like a fully powered Samus, and it's following you around trying to kill you.
0: See, I, I'm just... I just love the Metroid story. Metroid will always hold a special place in my heart because it was the very first game I bought for myself for the Nintendo. Um, I remember distinctly going to, I think it was Kmart at the time, and I actually put the original Metroid gray box, I remember putting it on layaway and just frothing at the mouth until I could you know, save up enough money from... Uh, Little odd jobs I would do for like my parents and grandparents and stuff to save up my money to buy it, and when I finally got it, I played the hell out of it. So that's that's one of my earliest, you know, Nintendo memories. Is one of my strongest Nintendo memories. Like I think of Nintendo, Metroid's one of those games that immediately pops in my head. So to see something like this, just I I want to play this so bad, and I really want Nintendo to to bring back the Metroid franchise.
1: Did you get it under a blue light special? I think so. Out?
0: I mean, I think I remember getting <laughs> it like it it was not as expensive as the the new releases. So it must have been around like 30 bucks. And But still, you know, in 1987 dollars, that's like, you know, 50, 60 bucks today. So,
1: yeah,
0: I mean, even still, like you think about it. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm really congested today. So I'm sorry. Um, you think oh, about it. Back in the day, you know, people talk about how expensive video games are. They really haven't changed much. I mean, when I remember when I was a kid, a brand new NES game would run 50 bucks. And now, mm-hmm. you know, games are sixty bucks tops unless you get um what is it like the the collector's editions and stuff like that. But there could be a case that's also said with the downloadable contents. You know, like Mass Effect 2, I ended up spending about $120 on that game but because of all the downloadable stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, people don't really think about it, but back then, games were, you know, they were outrageous back then because I remember, you know, especially when the SNES came out, games would be, you know, like $60. bucks, i yeah, am like, wow, that's so that's much. much but... when they
0: jumped up to 60 bucks is when the SNES came out. I mean, you think about it, you know, back in the late 80s, Fifty bucks was a lot of money, especially to a kid. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. I'd get like five dollars a month, <laughs> and like uh, my allowance. And that was a lot of money back then. You know, I sound like an old man now. Like I remember back in my day. Get off my lawn! I used to walk backwards through a snow uh, uh, through a snowstorm to play Nintendo when I was a kid.
1: Both ways. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah. no, I I totally agree. Nintendo needs to revitalize the the Metroid franchise. This is another one. You know, I was talking about Star Fox last week, but Metroid would make a great movie too.
0: It would. It would make a a really good cartoon series or a kind of kind of anime ish type of uh, cartoon series like on Netflix or something.
1: And especially now with having you know all these strong main character who who is a female like you know you had. Um, the girl from Rogue One, you had Ray from Force Awakens. Samus would be a fantastic role model for girls and women. Oh, yeah. Because she's a it, badass.
0: It blew our minds when we were kids to know that, that to the reveal that Samus was a, a woman. Like, that mm-hmm. was just like, whoa, holy crap, it's a girl.
1: <laughs> and she'd kick all the guys' asses, Hell too. Hell, yeah.
0: I was all about it. <laughs> still remember the code, Justin Bailey.
1: Justin Bailey, I, yeah, that is right.
0: Yeah, that was. The I code completely forgot about in. that. And she would be able to uh, run around like in the 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 one piece swimsuit, but she still had the arm, the the gun arm.
1: That's awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, um,
1: th- yeah, it, moving on to our our next news story. This is from. ArsTechnica.com People still use the Amiga today, and hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, and new Viva Amiga documentary shows why. Uh, Many years ago, and this is uh, from a writer named Jeremy Reimer. Many years ago, when I began writing the history of the Amiga, I was surprised there were so few accounts of what was truly a remarkable computing platform. Uh, Excuse me. Fortunately, Time, Nostalgia, and Kickstarter have combined to make many more recollections possible. Case in point, director Zach Weddington was able to raise funds in 2011 to make a documentary called Viva Amiga, and it's now available to watch in 12 languages and several streaming formats. The movie premiered at this week's MAGFest, an annual games and music celebration outside of D.C. I'll be completely honest, I had never heard of the Amiga. I I
0: remember the Amiga. I never had one. Um... I remember seeing somebody that had one when I was a kid. I don't remember if it was at our school or if I knew somebody that had one. Uh but I had a Commodore 64 when I was a kid and I used to um program my own games on it and it came with the uh came with a floppy disk and um the little uh um it take like audio cassettes but you could save your games on them and stuff like that. It was kind of weird. Um but I, I used to love the uh, the Commodore sixty four, and I, I used to be able to program my own games and stuff. We had a book with uh, uh, all the different games that you could program and stuff for it. And um, I, you know, I, looking back at this, uh, I saw actually the reason I put this in there is I saw the um, the preview for this the other night on um, I think Amazon Prime, and I was really interested in watching it. So I'm I'm gonna um, rent it and watch it one night this week or next weekend. Because um, I really want to watch this. Uh, it kind of reminds me of um, some of the other video game documentaries that have come out over the last few years. But this looks like something that's really fun to watch because it, um, it, 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 this computer is so weird because people still use this thing 32 years later. Like people still love this computer. There's got to be something about this thing that, you know, I want to know what it is about this computer that people love it so much.
1: Now, is this made strictly for gaming or could you do like other things with it? Like, I, I I, don't know what the Internet capability would be on this thing, but is it just like a strictly gaming computer?
0: Well, not only that, but you could do, um, I mean, it had like early versions of like Photoshop and like all kind of cool stuff you could do with this thing. Like an early version of what, what looks like Windows on this thing, the, the operating system. And that's why I wanted to watch this documentary, because I want to get a better understanding of what this machine could do.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see this documentary because, you know, I I love documentaries. Uh, They're, I think, a great way to learn information about things. And going in, like, not really knowing anything about this, I think it'd be a really cool one to watch. You know, hopefully they do put it on, you know, Netflix or Hulu or even Amazon Prime.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely on Amazon Prime now. You can look it up, and I'm not sure how much it is to rent it. I think it's like $3.99 or $4.99 to rent it. Um, well, if that you're sounds re- about normal. Yeah, if, if you're into these kind of documentaries, and at which I am heavily, I love like Video Game, the documentary, um, or some of the other ones, the uh, indie game, uh, mm-hmm. all those kind that of That one's very good. Yeah, I love those documentaries. So this is definitely right up my alley. I'm going to watch this as soon as possible.
1: Oh same here. No, I I'd, I'd love to see it.
0: All right. Well, if we are done with the news, we're going to move into the um this month in video game history. I don't know why I'm so all over the place tonight. I'm sorry. No, it's um, all good. But in uh, January of 1985, Konami releases y- r Kung Fu, which lays the foundation for modern fighting games. Now, I looked this game up on um uh,
1: Wikipedia. I have no clue what this game is. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It it's definitely um you can see the foundation of like a Mortal Kombat or a Street Fighter. Cuz you've got the you know the two characters fighting, you've got the life meters at, at the top of the screen. I never heard of this, but looking at it, you know, it, you can definitely see the the influence that it has. It's it's really cool like the It's very primitive, obviously, but, you know, it's, I say this, I feel like I say this every week with This Month in Gaming History, but finding out about games that said, oh, this laid the foundation for fighting games, or this laid the foundation for, like, modern-day open-world games, that's one of the cool things about doing this show.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason we started this show is because we wanted to gain the knowledge of all all that had come before. Like, you know, we're such enthusiasts of retro games. I mean, but really, you know, we're kind of limited to the NES, the Sega, and the SNES. And that's why we wanted to start this podcast is because we wanted to branch out and
1: find out what else was out there at this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. But no, that's... That's really, really cool. You know, I, I'd love to watch some actual gameplay of this to see if it really lo- looks and plays like your your typical fighting game.
0: Yeah, it looks
1: very primitive,
0: <laughs> the screenshots that I saw of it, but I, I would love to actually see some uh, video of this being played.
1: Oh, for sure. Then in 1986, on January 1st, Commodore releases Mindwalker for the Amiga. It keeps running unmodified on all versions of the Amiga hardware and OS.
0: So that game is still to this day being played.
1: That's insane. <laughs> the game is 31 years old. Yeah, it's, it reminds it's me of Ultima. Played.
0: Like, there are still people playing Ultima to this day.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's, wow. That, that's mind-blowing. So there's got to be something
0: to this Amiga. That's why I want to watch this documentary so bad. I want to find out what it is, why this thing was such a beast that it's still running and people are still using it 30 years later.
1: What we should do, if it's on Amazon Prime, we should both try and watch that documentary and then give a review of it next week.
0: We should. I th- I think I can handle that. I'll watch it um
1: I'll watch it Friday night. Yeah, I'll I'll figure out sometime to watch it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, anything else on uh, on either of this month in video game history? Uh, no, that's it for the history portion of our show. All right. Well, before Jason uh, soothes us with his uh, <laughs> glowing review of uh, Bill and Ted's excellent video game adventure, I wouldn't go that far. But go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> it's it's sarcasm. Yeah. I'm okay. Gonna, I'm gonna rip the I game. But now, for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. And they have a ton of books to choose from—over 180,000—and they have a lot of series. You know, they have uh, Percy Jackson, Aragon, Star Wars. I know they just recently put the new uh, uh, Thrawn book by mm-hmm. Timothy Zahn up there as well. Um I just redeemed mine. I'm going to be listening to the uh Chris Jericho autobiography for those who don't know who he is. It's he's a uh, very well-known professional wrestler and I think he tells very good stories, so I'm very excited to hear that. Um to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com/nerdcave for your free audiobook.
0: Well, let's go ahead and move into our review for this week. Yeah. That music is for Bill and Ted's Excellent Video Game Adventure. Yeah. Uh, Let me get ramped up on this (laughs) hunk of crap. (laughs) Oh, Let me go ahead and and I'll read the uh, description of this turd. (laughs) Bill and Ted's Excellent Video Game Adventure is an action-adventure video game that is part of the Bill and Ted franchise. No shit. And is based on the film Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that was released in North America by... The dreaded LJN for the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1991. The game's plot is an adaptation of the movie, but rather serves as an original continuation to the film's events. The plot... The story begins when Rufus summons Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan for a mission. Both boys arrive at different times, first Ted, then Bill. I don't understand that. They're informed that time-space rebels have gone back in time, kidnapping various historical figures and leaving them stranded in different time periods. So now they must travel to the time periods, retrieve these figures, and return them to their... Correct time periods. This must be done as soon as possible. For if history isn't made right, the boys will miss their big concert that will launch the Wild Stallions music career. Now, let's start off with LJN. Anybody that, that plays any retro games knows that LJN is pretty much a warning label for 1980s video games. Now, LJN was a toy company in the 80s, and they did um, they did toys like, uh, um, uh, what is it called, uh, Voltron. They did the Voltron toys, which are really good toys. They were awesome. Uh, I can't remember right off the top of my head what other toys they did, but most really good toys in the 80s were made by LJN because they were a toy company. Now, they're not a video game company, but what they did was they were a publishing company for video games. Now, most of the games that they published we're crap like Friday the 13th, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the Back to the Future series. And if you've played any of these games, you know they take a lot of liberties with the story of these games. Now, I will say that this game they did kind of try to make the story with you know true to the Bill and Ted story should I say, I, I guess. I mean, at least it fits the video game. Like, you play Back to the Future, it has nothing to do with the movie. That game is just a hot pile of garbage. But, you know, most of the companies that made these games for them are like uh, subsidiaries of... They were like Konami and games like that. Um, game developers like like Konami and, the, and uh, I can't remember who else. But most of the people that made these games were teams of people who were new to video games they were they were very green and didn't have a lot of experience so that's why a lot of these games weren't very good but LJN did buy up a lot of um intellectual property rights back in the day like they they licensed Bill and Ted you know the, the all, basically movie games they were big on developing movie games but none of them were any good so when this game came out in 1991 I remember seeing this in uh, um Nintendo Power, and it looked great, and that's what, I played this game over the past couple of months trying to find something redeeming about it and I tried to play it the other night. if anybody uh subscribes to our Instagram or Twitter, you'll see that I put up a picture. I tried to play this game. it's unplayable. it is a hot pile of steaming donkey dookie where do i even begin with this thing um the only redeeming quality of this game is the graphics are actually pretty good that's pretty much it like when you start off the game it has an interesting mechanic to the game like it plays like an rpg you don't really fight anybody you distract people like people that try to attack you you distract them with pudding cups which i I don't really get the whole pudding cup thing but you start off the game um you talk to rufus and you have to go um he gives you some change to go into the the phone booth he gives you a mission you have to go back and save uh like um who was the first person he sends you for um shakespeare i think so you and let's see which one uh bill has already gone into the past so ted you, you play as ted you're by yourself you have to go back into the past you look through the phone book which is kind of cool cuz you got to remember the phone number of where you want to go so you type in the phone number and then you go to the circuits of time now this part of the game is i don't i don't even know what to do in this part of the game i have no idea why it's there what it's for it it makes no sense whatsoever Um, but once you, I I don't even know what I did to get past this part. and I can't even describe how to do it. You just have to look at some video and you'll be like, what the hell am I looking at? And it makes no sense. And when you finally get through that, then you go into the time period you're supposed to go. Now you're supposed to find William Shakespeare, but you've got to like follow clues, which is kind of cool. You got to go, you know, you got to walk around. It's kind of almost open world. And I really wish that they would have done like a straight top down um view on this game, almost like um uh Link or not Link, um Legend of Zelda or um Star Tropics, something along those lines, but they give you this weird like three quarter top down angle that you can't really tell where you are in the space of the game, if you know what I'm saying. And the controls are atrocious on this game. Like you can't tell, like trying to go up and down and it just makes no sense. And then there's parts of the games where you can walk on the grass, other times where you can't walk on the grass. It's unplayable. And I don't I don't know what else to say about this game. It I couldn't even get past the first stage. It's it
1: stinks. (laughs) Well, when you mentioned this, you know, I, I was thinking a, a video game based off a movie—what could possibly go wrong? And I'll show you. To, to, to and it's total so sarcasm because there really hasn't been a great video game based off of a movie franchise, well, at a, least that I've played personally. Especially mm-hmm. back then, I mean,
0: this yes, any game with an LJN label, everybody knew that they were terrible games. Everybody, but yet they still sold. I mean. They had the X-Men games, if you ever played that, it's it's awful. Um, the Wolverine game is somewhat okay. Um, I think Spider-Man Maximum Carnage they did for the SNES, and it's probably the only decent game they ever published.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the list now, and it's literally... Franchises like movie franchises, yeah. they have a couple
0: of sports ones. Yeah, they did. Who framed but, Roger Rabbit, which is downright
1: abysmal. Uh, that sounds like a bad game. I mean, I love the movie, but God, that sounds like a bad game. But yeah, I, I was even looking at their uh, toy lines too, and they did, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Back to the Future, E.T., Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Michael Jackson, which was really random. <laughs> but what's crazy is that with the games. They were developing games, or I guess whatever you would call it, uh even like into the late nineties and into two thousand
0: yeah I, like I, they
1: like they did um spider man and Venom yeah. in november of ninety five and then their last one was spirit of speed nineteen thirty seven for the Dreamcast never even in July of two thousand
0: <laughs> never even heard of that
1: I haven't either, but no that that's um that's about par for the course for um, for video games based off of movies. And you know, looking at the reviews, what's crazy is Nintendo Power gave it three and a half out of five stars. Do they not just do they just not say anything bad about any games? I, I
0: guess they didn't. Um, I remember watching a Angry Video Game Nerd episode where he he was talking about Nintendo Power magazine and they did a review for. I think it was Friday the 13th, and they had put in the the text there that said something like, it has that distinct LJN style. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, yep, that's Nintendo's power way of saying that it sucks.
1: Let's see. Honest Gamers gave it 4 out of 10. Game Cola, which is an awesome name, gave it 3 out of 10. And Just Games Retro gave it 22 out of 100. Wow. Those are all atrocious. Yeah. And I yeah. I'm seeing the they have one thumbnail on the Wikipedia page and yeah I can see how that layout would be frustrating. Yeah. As far yeah. as like the the somewhat top down view but it's kind of at an angle.
0: Yeah, especially Ugh. just using the D-pad like if you had like an analog stick this would work but not with a D-pad. Not that type of three-quarter top down view. It just doesn't work.
1: No. No, but I, I'm not surprised at all that this game is terrible. Because like I said, you get if you line up ten video games that are based off of movie franchises, at least nine of them are gonna be awful.
0: Yeah, especially if they have an L J N
1: label. Uh <coughs> Maybe that, we should uh, do uh an L J N round table for uh for my show. We should. <laughs> uh, uh that so, would be fun. some of the
0: things that some of the they uh, let's see here some of the reviews said about it. Uh, what could gamePro states what could have been a truly excellent video game adventure wound up as a mildly entertaining entertaining video jaunt uh, video games and computer entertainment states the verbose Bill and Ted themselves would likely describe this adventure of theirs as being bogus, but what we can be best called average um let's see uh the honest gamers, though it does a reasonable job of making you feel like you're really exploring different historical periods bill and ted's vi- uh, excellent video game adventure doesn't really do anything else right <laughs> uh yeah, nothing no good reviews for this game, basically
1: uh I'm not surprised at all, like I, remember... I said it just it looks awful, it sounds awful,
0: and I remember and... the I think I still have the Nintendo Power that this was part of, and that was the reason I got this game was because of you know Nintendo Power had you know a full article about this game like you know where they would give you um, maps of the game and tell you like tips and secrets and all kind of stuff and I was a huge Bill and Ted fan when I was a kid like I was at the ripe age when this movie came out of course the the movie came out in eighty nine. But the game came out in 91 when Bogus Journey came out, which I think Bogus Journey is still one of the greatest comedy films ever made.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, now this... It's a shame that the games can't be as good as the movies most of the time.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if any other developer could have done a better job, maybe... You know, I, I don't see how you could do this as a a 2D side-scroller or, I don't know. I mean, th- this game is ripe for like an RPG-ish type of game where you're going mm-hmm. from time period to time period and you have to, you know, save the different historical figures. It's got a great premise for a video game, but just this thing just falls apart from the minute you turn it on.
1: Good concept,
0: bad execution. Exactly. It's terrible. Uh, out of 10, I give this game a 3. The only reason I give it a 3 is because <laughs> the the graphics are actually kind of okay.
1: That would you say it's worse than Fester's Quest?
0: At least Fester's Quest is playable. You know, it's not it's hard as hell, but at least you can play it. This thing is I don't even know what to do half the time. It's not intuitive at all. And it makes, you know, and the, the map layout makes no sense whatsoever. It's just completely unplayable.
1: I I don't even want to attempt this game.
0: No, you don't want to.
1: Uh, it sounds yeah, terrible. But, I mean, if Which... you're a
0: completionist or, you know, you love just collecting stuff like this, I mean, pick it up. If you find it for like a buck somewhere, <laughs> I wouldn't pay more than that for it. But... I mean, if you're a completionist, yeah, go ahead and pick it up, because you'll probably never play it. It's not a game to pick up if you want to just sit and play, because you're not going to do it.
1: Yeah, I will not be doing that. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Now, kind of keeping up with the trend of games that we dislike, um, I will be doing the same next week. I will be reviewing for the Super Nintendo, one of the games that I was very excited to play, but ended up being probably my least favorite SNES game of all time: hmm. Pac-Man 2: The New Adventures. And you would think that, you know, Pac-Man, one of the most iconic characters in video game history, you, you can't screw that up, right? I mean, the oh, Pac-Man oh. <laughs> formula is pretty simple. Oh, I'm sure well, you can. <laughs> well, they, they did and I will uh, I will explain that next week. Yeah, I've never even heard of this
0: game for the Super Nintendo, so I'm really interested to see what you have to say about it.
1: Uh, I'll say my feelings on it are about the same as yours with Bill & Ted.
0: Okay. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see.
1: <laughs> so the, the hate will continue for, for one more week, but then we'll get back into some more positive stuff. Yeah. That's
0: what, that's what we're doing. We're taking the month of January. That's usually a, a depressing month for everybody. And we're going to get all the hatred for the year out of the way up front. Exactly. And I'm not sure what I'll do after that. Um, let's see. What should I do? Um, so, am I, do I have one more show in January before we, uh, let's see.
1: Let's see. No, no. you'll I be, don't. you'll be in February. You'll so, kick off February. Yeah, I
0: don't want to do anything I hate to kick off February. So I think I'll go ahead and do, uh, somebody actually requested the other day on Twitter that I do, uh, RC Pro-Am. Uh, so I think I'm going to go ahead and do that for the next episode. Sweet. And I love RC Pro. It's one of the better games for the Nintendo.
1: No, I'm I'm excited to hear it.
0: So yeah, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap up the Nerd Cave Retro for this week. So um, we actually have our own website up at this point. Uh, just launched it the other day. It's at nerdcaveretro.com. You can go there and listen to the show. We've got links to our uh, Facebook, Twitter, and um, Instagram, which you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Nerd Retro. Uh, you can find us uh, individually on Twitter at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. And you can email us at NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. So Derek, tell them what it's all about.
1: May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce.